we're seeing the um, everything line up for a major storm system. Hi, and welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I'm Morgan Baden. With me is my co-host and my husband, Barry Liggett. Hello. Hi. Um, this might come as a surprise to you. I have a theme for the night. Damn it. I do. It, and is the theme snowbound? It's not, but it is should be. Is the theme be. the Donner Party? Yeah. We are currently recording this on a Saturday evening, the day of the massive blizzard that hit the East Coast. Yes. Uh, Send not- food and shelter and firewood, <laughs> please. We have a child. We have not left the house today, which has been very nice. Although the baby was a little, uh, a little anxious to get out. She, she's know, used to her daily walk. Th- th- this is our first snowed in with the baby. It really you is. Yeah. And it's a little different than before the baby because before it was like, cool, let's make some hot chocolate and binge watch something on Netflix. Or it was like, cool, let's drink a lot and nap all day. If you're talking about me. Sure. Uh-huh. And now it's, oh, wait, we have to entertain the baby all day. <laughs> which, which, in, in all, due, uh, all due deference, you did pretty much all day. I did. Because uh, I had to work. Well, here's the thing. I want to give a shout out to the mom who suggested this to me, which was, uh, it's really a great idea. And I don't even think she suggested it to me. She was just talking about how she did it. Uh, Melissa Walker says that when she gets... Uh, either birthday gifts or holiday gifts or whatever for her daughter, um, a whole bunch of them go off in a closet hidden and she doles them out on rain days or snow days or bad days or whatever. Um, After Christmas, obviously we had a lot of toys for this kid. Especially because her birthday was just a month and a half before. So we had a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, um, so that's what we did. We stored some stuff in our closet. And this morning I woke up and I was suddenly like, Ta-da! Today's the perfect day to bring out a new toy. Uh, So I did. I brought out two, and she loved them. And we honestly had a great time today playing. Um, So that was really nice. So thank you, Melissa. And uh, hey, if you have other parenting hacks like that, feel free to let us know. That was a real, really useful one. I mean, even though we are the best parents in the world, we could could always be even better. So send us parenting hacks. There's always a little tiny bit of room for improvement. For improvement. Sure, sure. All right, but to get back into it, let's talk about discipline. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about parental discipline, but also some writing discipline stuff. You really do have a theme. I know, I do, and I swear this came together organically. I swear. Um, First, uh, there was a conversation that I was a part of uh, between some other moms who are also writers who also work full-time. And basically, someone was like, how the hell do I do this? Like, I'm not getting anything done. How do I do it? Right. And I jumped in because, uh, not because I have any answers, but because I have the answer that works for me, which is, uh, you go really slowly and you just give yourself the, the permission to go as slowly as you need to and to not stress about it and just acknowledge that this is where you are right now. So, and a lot of other parents chimed in and said the same thing, which is, you know, if you're working a a full-time day job or night job, whatever it is, and you've got kids to tend to. That really does not leave a lot of time for for writing or anything else. Um, and how do you deal with that? How do you deal with um, with acknowledging and allowing yourself to go very slowly with your writing? That's something I want you to weigh in on here because you are typically someone who goes very quickly. Now, we've talked before about how since having the baby, that's different for you. Um, you don't have the long stretches during the day anymore where you can just churn out stuff or really get into the groove. Uh, and I was talking to another mom friend who was also a writer and she said that, um, she's finding it 
harder and harder as she, as we grow up, as we get older, as the kids get older, to find, find a way to get into that writing groove enough each day that, uh, that the, the few hours a day she has to write are even worthwhile. So it's just something I've been thinking about. How do you make the most of your time without feeling like you're a machine? Like without feeling like you have to uh, set a timer or punish yourself with, or reward yourself with treats if you do it well and if you don't do it and, and whatnot. So what are your thoughts on, um, are there things that you do to discipline your writing at this point? I think it is not a coincidence that the great writers of say the 20th century, your Fitzgeralds, your, your Hemingways were drinkers. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think maybe alcohol, <laughs> uh, you know, if it was the eighties, I would recommend cocaine, but it's not. And you know, don't, don't be passe. No, I, you know, I think that I, my, my feelings on this keep changing probably because the baby keeps changing. <laughs> You know, last year, I w- when we first started this podcast, I was really worried about being able to write. Yeah. And then I blew through a new book, and it felt great. And I and but then since then, I've had a lot of trouble. I mean, famously, it has taken me, you know, six months to write a short story. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, even though it's a very long short story. I know. I'm reading it now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that what I've sort of arrived at, the conclusion I've arrived at, based on the past and based on what's going on now is the most difficult part. I actually don't think the difficult part is finding the time or the enthusiasm to write. I actually think the most difficult part is starting your story. At least for me. For me, until I've actually begun the story, it is so theoretical Mm -hmm. that it's just something I'm noodling with in my head until I actually start writing it. And the toughest thing for me is sitting down and beginning Okay. Once I've gotten six, seven, eight thousand words into it, I'm into it. Hmm. And then I will write, if I have five minutes, I will work on it. Oh, that's really interesting. But it's in the beginning where I need long stretches yeah. because it's so new and it's, it's this, it's this field that hasn't been plowed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where do I start? Do I start at this corner, this corner? Do I start in the middle? Where do I start? Yeah. And you're just breaking the ground. To continue this metaphor, yeah. you're just breaking the ground, which is tough. That first, that first breaking of the ground, and I think that once you start that, once you get those first couple rows going, you get into a rhythm, and it becomes not necessarily easier. The work doesn't become easier, but it becomes easier to get into the work, yeah. to start the work, yeah. because you're like, oh, I've already got, I've already named my main character <laughs> and I've already, you know, written the first scene and I know how this person talks and this person talks and I've got questions now. What's going to happen to this guy? What's going to happen to her? What's going to happen to these yeah. people? And so you're eager to sit down and work on it, even if you only have 10 or 20 minutes, mm-hmm. but beginning, yeah, you can procrastinate that forever. It's kind of like how... Um, I used to be someone who would write maybe on the weekends or once or twice a week. And I would find it really hard to get into the groove after so many days away. Sure. So it's kind of like that for me, which is if I'm, even if it's again, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever that, that found five minutes that we've talked about before. Um, if you're doing it every day or every other day, you start realizing that, that it's easier. Like you're not forgetting. You're still sort of in the groove. 
it really does come down to, I've said this a million times before. I don't know if I've said it on the show before. It's inertia. Button chair. You know, writers are just as subject to inertia as celestial bodies. And writers at rest tend to stay at rest. (laughs) Writers in motion tend to stay in motion. And that's what it comes down to. And the toughest thing is an object that that is not in motion, an object that is at rest, needs force put upon it. To go and in, to get into motion and then it will stay in motion, mm. but it needs that force to begin with. Yeah. And I think that is the tough part for me, at least, is that force that makes you start. So there's something to be said, though, for the noodling that needs to happen beforehand. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I came across an article in Huffington Post this week written by Holly Robinson, who's an author. Um, and it's really, it's called Vow to Write Better, Not Faster. Oh, uh, yeah, I read that. I really liked it because, uh, for obviously for several reasons, one of them being that I am now a slow writer. <laughs> uh, and I was slow to begin with, and now I'm just really slow, and I have to just accept that and, and move on. Um, but she talks about one of the challenges of our sort of binge culture right now is binging is everywhere. You can binge watch things, you can binge read things, you can binge tweet things, um, binge eat, all of those things. And uh, sometimes with writing, it's really important to give your story room to breathe and time to breathe. And that's not always respected, I guess, in or expected or appreciated in, in a binge culture like this. So there are famously authors, contemporary authors, who take years between books. Yep. And I do feel like every time there's a review of one of those books, someone comments on the fact that it took forever for this book to come out. Right. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's a 600 page tome. (laughs) That's really intense and character driven. So yeah, it took a while. Um, but we're used to, you know, e novellas coming out every six months from our favorite authors and things like that. So, um, so I just really liked that idea of, of making sure that we're not writing faster, but we're writing better. And if better means taking more time than allowing that. Do you feel pressure from your readers to go faster? No, no. I feel pressure from myself. Okay. Uh, you know, I I have always said since I was very young that, you know, writing is what I want to do. I always say I have more ideas in my head than I can ever write before I die. So it's a race. It's, mm. it's me against the Grim Reaper, man. And it's how many of these am I going to get out into the world before he takes my head off with that side of his, you know? Yeah. And that's how I feel. So it's, it's, you know, it, it really is. I'm just like, I want as many words as possible before I die. Wow. And I read that piece and I found it very interesting. And I think that it's one of those things where we, we should take the time the story needs I think taking time for the sake of taking time is just as foolish as rushing for the sake of rushing. Well, of course. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying uh, I don't want to start, especially in my own personal case, using this as an excuse to not finish projects. I I just think some people use that idea as an excuse or as a justification for taking more time than they should. You know, I I knew somebody who once said fast writing is good writing Hmm. because you're not filtering it. You're not editing it. You're not censoring yourself. You're just getting it out on the page. And there's something to be said for that. I think that each story has its own rhythm. Each story requires its own time. And, I, you know, writing is not like growing roses. You know, you don't necessarily have to take 
great lengths of time with certain pieces. Some things you write them and you write them quickly and they're done and they're great. Other things take more time. And I think that the trick is figuring out which is which, you know, those writers who take years and years between books. Um, I think it's sort of ridiculous to make an automatic assumption that because it took longer, it must be better. Oh, of course not. And so, and you know, and honestly, you know, for all we know, those people wrote that thing in a year and oh, took sure. took four years just to hang out and do whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, unless you're standing over the author's shoulder while he or she is writing. This reminds me of uh, years and years ago, there was a, a very well-known um, author on Oprah Winfrey, and that's how long ago this was because she was on Oprah, talking about how she she couldn't figure out how to describe something in her new book. I think it was uh, some trees waving in the wind or something like that. And she wanted to to capture it. So she spent an entire day at the beach or somewhere like that, just watching the trees there. And it took her all day to figure out what is the perfect turn of phrase for describing what she wanted those trees to be like in the book. And I remember the time thinking, well, more power to you if you can go take a day at the beach and, and do that. That's amazing. But also, really? <laughs> Does it really? Like, there, there's taking time and then there's taking an entire day just to get a single sentence. That, to me, sounds too precious by half. <laughs> it, it does sound It also precious. sounds like someone who wanted to deduct on their taxes a little <laughs> vacation time and so wrote it off as research. We've all done it. Um, you know, and, and, and I think what... I think the proof that it is too precious by half is that I guarantee you she did not do that for every sentence of in the book. Of course not. Yeah. So what was so important about that, that sentence? That sentence, yeah. Like, is that the linchpin of the book? Right. Come on. That, uh, I'm sorry. That, that, no. You know. I, it, the fact that it has stuck in my head all yeah. of these years indicates clearly it, it affected me in some way, positively or negatively. I mean, I would have some respect if it was... More, oh, I was on vacation and I was laying on the beach and these trees were were blowing and I just stared at them all day. And then suddenly the perfect sentence came to me for this book. I'd be like, oh, that's really kind of cool then. Like, you know, that's sort of a Zen thing. I emptied my mind and the swaying trees jumped in, you know, and and that would be fine. But to say I deliberately took an entire day to look at this so I could write one sentence for my book. So I guess every other sentence in the book doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, no, it, it, I don't know. All right, let's move on into a different kind of discipline, which is parental discipline. Yeah. So we spent the holiday weekend down in Maryland visiting people. Yes. Uh, And one of the people is a frequent listener of the show, and I wanted to give her a shout out. Hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. Um, Because she said something that has stuck with me all week, and I wanted to talk about it. And it was about disciplining your kids. Yeah. She's got two great kids, teenagers. And Which, by the way, freaks me out. Well, because you're their godfather. I was like yeah. there when they were born, yeah. and I'm like, wait, they can't be teenagers. <laughs> that would mean I'm, oh, wow, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so she said something, that, and may, I feel like this episode is all about sound bites because you've had a couple of good ones. And I think this is a really good sound bite, and yeah. it's courtesy of Beth, which is disciplining kids isn't about disciplining kids. It's about disciplining yourself as yeah. a parent. Yeah, and that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and I've been processing too. it all week. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Beth. So really what she's saying here, if I may paraphrase, is, you know, when especially when you were talking about toddlers like Leia, but when it comes to disciplining her, you know, it's about controlling our own behaviors and our own reactions right. and sticking to our guns in, in a certain way too. Um, and that's really hard because 
just as an example, the other day, um, the baby was watching Sesame Street. And there was stuff going on in the house. And you walked by and you stood in front of the TV for a second to talk to me. Right. And she threw a little hissy fit. She did. She like, she totally waved me off. She did. She like she like she gestured. went out of line and pushed you away. And like shooed me away. Like like get out of the way, old man. And what's funny is we let her. Like you you stepped aside and we right. were both like, oh okay, sorry. And then I was like, wait a minute. I mean, I'm standing and I there like, thinking, wait, why am I doing this? I was like, Barry, come stand back in front of the TV, and you did, and she did it again, and we all laughed. Right. Which I don't. Maybe that's maybe that's the worst reaction there, yeah. but. But it really is about about me being disciplined about and consistent about what is and is not okay for her. Right. Um, obviously, putting aside safety, because obviously anything she's doing that isn't safe, obviously I think we're all disciplined enough to, to take care of that. Um, but when it comes to things like watching TV or playing in a certain room or whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's really about um, how do we stay consistent and... How does that affect her, and um, how can we raise the, the best baby ever? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and how do we, how do we, uh, you know, implement or execute the the strategies we've decided on? Yeah, when we really just don't feel like it, yeah, or when it would be easier not to. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about feeding and picky yeah. eating and that sort of thing, and you're supposed to, you know, if if she rejects what you give her to eat, you're supposed to go. Okay, you're Too just bad. you're just not eating then. You'll eat again in a couple hours when yeah. it's when it's meal time again. And, you know, sometimes you have the strength to do that and sometimes you just want her to stop whining or you feel bad, you think, "Oh, she must be so hungry. Mm-hmm. I'll just give her this. I'll give her what she wants." And that's losing the discipline our our own discipline that we need yeah. to be good parents for her. Yeah. And it is. It's it's tough. It is tough. Um, another, another thing that's tough is when other people who are parents try to discipline your kid. <laughs> and that's something we've only had to deal with moderately, yeah. but it's enough that it bothers me. And I'm trying to remember, I mean, obviously this is my first time as a parent, um, but I, you know, I certainly, I'll, I'll help discipline and I use quotes around the word discipline, my niece and nephew and things like that. Um, but I've never disciplined anyone else's kid, of course. Right. And I'm wondering if there's something that happens when you're a parent that makes you feel like you have the right to do it to someone else's kid, as yeah. even as gently I as, even, as some people even, do it. I don't even know if it's a thing that, that it's a right, but more that you feel like it's an obligation. Maybe. Like, you feel like, well, I'm a parent, and if this and if a kid's out of control, it's my job to do something about it. You well, know? and here's where I I'm know getting, I've felt that in Sure, the past. yeah. But here's where, what I'm getting at is, uh, what if the kid is not out of control? Yeah. You know, someone said something to our baby the other day and it really annoyed me because she was acting like a baby. She was making a a noise of delight in a crowded hotel lobby and that's not a problem. And so, you know, I I don't know. So it's really sort of, um, it's just something I'm grappling with. You know, what do you do? What are the strategies when, uh, apart from bitch slapping, when someone else (laughs) tries to discipline your kid? particularly when your kid doesn't need it. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'd love, I'd love answers from people. Yeah. Tell me what to do. That won't land me in prison. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) It's not that dire. (laughs) Uh, okay. So something big is coming up. Another blizzard. I hope not, but probably eventually on the planet. Uh, no, it's your 10 year anniversary. Yeah, 10 years of being published this yeah. year. What's the date? Do you know? 
June? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, October 2nd, I guess. Was, oh. October 2nd, I guess, was the day the uh, the book of officially hit stores. I think it was either the 2nd or the 9th, those two days. I can't believe you don't remember. I know. I can't either. Yeah. It was one of those two days. So this was the... That's not bad that after 10 years to narrow it down. I, to... I guess I guess that's pretty good. But this is Fanboy and Goth Girl. Yeah. The 10-year anniversary. Yeah. What is, uh, what is 10 in anniversaries? Beats the hell out oh, of me. Oh, I thought you would know this. No, it's uh, it's the Xbox anniversary. Ah, you wish. So everybody send me Xboxes. <laughs> yes, please just send please us a bunch of Xboxes. send us Xboxes. That seems helpful. <laughs> I think it seems very helpful to me, but okay. Um, so looking back on 10 years, the highlights, what's changed, what hasn't? Wow. I feel like a lot has changed. Um. I mean, you're like a, a veteran now that, in the YA world. The weirdest thing is that that is true. Because it is true. I still feel like the new guy. Wow. When, you know, there are these new authors who will approach me at events and will say, hey, what do you think about this or this or this? And what should I do about this? And I'm like, what the hell do I know? But I've been around for 10 years now. So I guess I am supposed to know something. <laughs> I guess that's what the gray in my beard means. <laughs> um yeah, it, you know, I feel like the industry has changed a lot, not necessarily for the better in many cases. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about problems in the industry a lot on this show. Mm -hmm. Those problems are still there. They're not going anywhere. But I think they're going to be solved by the new imprint called Millennial Books. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a younger reference. That's a younger reference, everybody. <laughs> younger TV. Younger is still out there. <laughs> so... I, you know, for me, the big thing is it's been 10 years and this is now officially the longest I've done anything. Wow. The, the job that I had before I became an author, mm -hmm. I had for nine and a half years. Oh, that is really interesting. So 10 years now, I've been an author longer than I've ever worked any sort of a job. So that's a personal milestone yeah. for me, but also I'm really grateful to have done this and I'm going to be doing it at least for a few more years because I know I've got a couple more books that I've <laughs> sold. Um, so I, I want to do something to sort of celebrate 10 yeah. years. And I actually have uh, 10 copies of the original hardcover edition of Fanboy and Goth Girl wow. and the sequel Goth Girl Rising. And I want to come up with a cool way to give them away this year. Nice. And, and just somehow celebrate 10 yeah. years. But I have no idea how to do it because apparently I suck at this kind of thing because every time I like run a contest or do something like that online, like it never goes anywhere. So maybe people who are listening to this show, uh, all of you within the sound of my voice <laughs> can chime in and tell me something cool that I could do to, uh, to celebrate 10 years at this. Um, and, and I, you know, it doesn't have to be about me. I, I really would like it to just be, you know, the only reason I can do this is because people out there are reading my books. So let's let's celebrate. I'm currently literally. You're making notes while I'm jotting talking. down notes. You're while not you're even talking. listening to no, me. No, but it's about notes. this. It's about this. There will be yeah. a quiz later, Ms. Baden. Uh, well, there's always a quiz. Um, that's so cool. Congratulations on ten years. Thank you. Legit. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hope there's another 10 and 10 more after that and 10 more after that and, <laughs> and keep going until I, 
I collapse at uh, a holographic keyboard or whatever the hell we'll be using in in a hundred years. Mm. Um, that that's the plan. In a hundred years, so you plan to live till you're a hundred. I just shut. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> yes, I do. Whatever that final number is, that is the plan. Okay. All right. Got it. That's the plan. <laughs> Want to live to see my great grandchildren. Oh, that's sweet. There you go. Uh, okay, so. We do seem to put a. You just asked our listeners to give a, give you ideas for how to celebrate ten years. I'm just crowdsourcing. That's no, the I thing, know, right? But we That's... do. We ask our listeners for a lot of things. Yes. One of them came through last week because you asked for book recommendations. Yeah, and I'm still asking for book recommendations. I don't want people listening like so, I know sometimes people time shift and they listen late. You know, mm-hmm. they're behind a few episodes, whatever, and they catch up. I don't want them to catch up to last week and go, "Oh, Barry wants book recommendations." Oh, but I'm a month behind. He doesn't want them anymore. No, I still want them. <laughs> well, Send me out, book recommendations. Shout out to Eugene because he sent you one. Eugene, thank you, my man. Eugene sent a book recommendation. Right. And I uh, I I downloaded the sample. Just yesterday um it is called the five stages of andrew brawley by sean david hutchinson uh, i have not begun reading it yet it's ya nice uh which is fine and i downloaded the sample and assuming i enjoy the sample i will buy the whole damn book let's let's talk about this for a second yeah i feel like you've been downloading samples a lot is yeah. that something you do often before you buy the book yeah why not you do okay yeah. i just well, i wasn't yeah. i wasn't aware of that that's yeah. a, a that's a particular reading strategy yeah. And I don't employ it, so... Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I forget, oh, you can download samples. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and get a sense of the book before yeah. before you, you read it. Uh, you know, I, I always encourage my publishers to make samples available of my books that are as long as possible. Yeah. You know, I think with the I Hunt Killers books, we gave away like a third of each book mm-hmm. as the sample. Um, because why not? Mm-hmm. Like, let people read a yeah. huge chunk of the book. A friend of mine uh, who – I don't know if you're listening or not. Hey, Koo. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine who used to work in publishing, in book publishing, and now works in the comic book biz, he told me when I got my first book deal, I was like, oh, my God, I have a book deal. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> and I called him because he had worked in publishing for like 20 years. And he said, look, there's a lot you can do, but my one piece of advice – Give away as much of your book as you can. That is the one, that is the biggest thing that you can do. So I have always wanted my publishers to do that. I've always encouraged them to do that. And, and, you know, I, you know, I download a sample and usually they only give you about 25 to 50 pages. They should be giving you 150 pages. Like it really, like what do they think? It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Like honestly, they could give you everything but the last chapter. chapter, Like seriously, (laughs) like make, make you pay 10 bucks for the last chapter. That's fine. I mean, like if you get that far, you want to read more. Right. So, so I've always encouraged that. And yeah, I downloaded the sample. And then what I do, you know, right now we live in a very small apartment in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading more eBooks than I would like. I typically, I like paper books. That's just me. So usually what I would do is download the sample. If I like it, then I would go buy the actual physical book. These days, you know, it's very convenient to just hit the buy this button at the end. And I don't have to worry about shelf space. Yeah. Someday when we have a larger place, I will once again buy paper books. Right. But yeah, so thank you, Eugene. And please, all of you, as I pled last week, please send me book ideas because I got nothing right now. All right. Quick writing update. Yeah. You just sent me over your short story. Yeah. The Billy short story. Quote, unquote. It's like 60 pages. I know. I'm I'm teasing you. I'm happy to read it. I'm leaving for Florida in a couple of days. I'm going to read it on the plane. How's that? There you go. Plane reading. I love me some plane reading. Yeah. 
So what else are you doing? Um, I am slacker. What are you doing? No, I'm kidding. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I'm working with uh, the students in my revision class yeah. that just began this past week. So I'm plowing through their materials, um, and I am about to start writing. I've got you know these two ideas. And again, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks on one and a couple of weeks on the other. I'm really excited about this. I, again, beginning is the tough part. And fortunately, since we now have a nanny two days a week, yeah. I can I actually have two days where I can begin. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it was just a couple beginning hours night, while she yeah. was napping or starting at night when you're tired and when you don't have that much time. This way, now I have the luxury of a full day. Right to sit in front of the computer and stare until blood drips out of my eyes, which is usually the sign that that doesn't happen to you. You're looking at me perplexed. Well, my the blood comes out of my mouth for me. Oh, like, drips down the corner. That's because you just like bit something. Yeah. That's not impressive. I mean, that's because I'm like eating the glass from my beer bottle. Oh, okay. So that's stressed. much more impressive. You got to bleed <laughs> for your art, man. So yeah, I'm really, really psyched to, uh, to start on this stuff. Uh, I did realize <laughs> I'm so excited and I was thinking about it today and I realized I, I still don't have a name for my main character. Oh, interesting. I just never gave the character a name. And I realize I don't have names for a lot of the characters. Like, I know who they are because I've been thinking about them for months, but I don't have names for them. So I need to sit down and come up with names for these these poor people. Otherwise, they're just going to be that guy and her. (laughs) Her? Her. Her? Her. Arrested Development. Oh, right. (laughs) That took me a second. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, what about I you? Am, What's going on with you? You're you're like revising. I am revising. I'm not like revising. I am actually revising. You are in fact revising. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. I think it's going well. I'm a little. Uh, I think I'm a little gun shy. So I'm I'm working through that because uh, the last time I, well, two times ago I guess. Well, I should say the last time that I re- revised this manuscript based on an agent's feedback, the agent. Did not like it at all yeah. and told me I broke my book. So, uh, so I, I'm trying to avoid that obviously, but I think that I am avoiding it because I, I think I'm a, I'm a different revisor now than I was then. And this book is already, you know, had been changed since then and is a, a different book. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm like sort of approaching the, fi- I should say I'm on the downswing. Like I think really? I've already done more than half. Of, Great. of what I needed to oh, do. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, so... Because I know you've been frustrated that you haven't had a lot of time. I haven't, but I will say that I'm really making the most of the time when I do have it. Good, good. Which has been really great, and, you know, I'm... Uh, the Pomodoro Method has been helping, which I don't even do the full method. I just yeah. do 25 minutes, 5 minutes, and then I'll do, like, another 10, and then call it a night. Right. Uh, so, and yeah, that that stupid little mind shift of saying to yourself, just do 25 minutes. You can do anything for 25 minutes. Do it. And then doing it, it, it really does work some wonders, like, you know, mentally. Yeah. So. You can get a lot done in 25 you minutes. You really can. And that's you can get the, more than That's you think. the glory of the Pomodoro method. Yeah. Uh, and we'll put a link to some Pomodoro stuff in the show notes because I think it's terrific. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I think that's it for us this week. Discipline is the name of the game. Yes. Both writing and parenting. Yes. <laughs> Both for ourselves and for other people. I guess. Everybody be disciplined <laughs> and discipline others. That, wait, that sounded weird. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. You can visit us online at writinginreallife.com. Uh, and don't forget to su- subscribe to us in iTunes. And while you're there, give us a rating. So have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone.